Good morning, and hopefully you'll get some notes. Jo is sitting here. She just said to say she's sitting there because she's going to sing like Val Dunican. And, and, and I said I thought that would be a cultural reference lost on most people here. However, those of you who laughed clearly are old enough to remember that. I don't know if you guys want to check this out or um, see if it's a battery or something. You've got some notes, and it's great to see you, and welcome back. It sort of feels like the first day of term for us. Um, Normally in the summer, there's a, a dip in terms of numbers. You know, normally things kind of chill down a bit. And um, we've just noticed a whole bunch of, as we've gone over the last few weeks, a whole bunch of uh, new faces here. So in a second, I just want to ask you, who, who of you are new? By which I mean, you've been coming to this church, for, you've started coming to this church in the last couple of months, um, two to three months. Hang on, in a second... I'm going to ask you to identify yourself, but don't worry, I'm not going to make, put any heavy commitment on you or do anything f- weird or freaky. Um, I just want to make a distinction, though. Some of you are here because you're visiting today. You're definitely, you, you know, you're visiting family or friends or you're here from another church, and you're also very, very welcome. God bless you. Um, but um, I just wanted to ask those who have decided for whatever reason to come um, in the last couple of months and sort of check us out and 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 sort of make the... Uh, make steps towards kind of getting involved with this church. Now, again, I'm not, you're not, you don't have to sign anything. I'm not asking for any commitment. But I just wanted you to identify yourselves. If that's you, if you fall into that category, would you, would you stand up for me? Because the rest of us would love to welcome you here. Would you do that for me? If you're new and you've just come in the last two or three months, welcome. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you ever so much, guys. Do sit down. And maybe, I don't know, whatever reason, maybe you've moved city, maybe you're on a journey of faith. Um, but it's wonderful to see how many people God is bringing. Really wonderful to see how many people God is bringing here. And I really firmly believe that this is part of his plan for us as a church. That there are people who he wants to bring because they are looking to connect with God. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the first time in a long time. Or maybe you're somebody who's been connecting with God for a long time already. And God has brought you here because he wants you to be part of helping other people connect with God. Maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time. No matter who you are, or whatever your background is, or what you think you might or might not have done, or however you see yourself, you are welcome here in this church. And our aim is that anybody who comes here will meet with Jesus and go away changed. We are people who are excited about connecting with Jesus. And when you have something this good, you don't just sit on it. You know, we're aiming to share the love of Jesus with people around us in our communities, people who are hungry and desperate for life. How many people do you know who are struggling? Think about who, who do you know who's coping with a relationship breakdown at the minute or or dealing with stress and anxiety, or emotional pain, or illness, or grief, or employment issues, or housing, or abuse, or identity, people who are just hurting. I bet all of us can think of people that we interact with in our lives who are struggling in one way or the other. And the truth is that we're here to help those people connect with Jesus, to help those people encounter him. Um, You've heard me talk about this before. In fact, I realized this morning that it's just about almost, in a couple of weeks' time, it'll be four years since uh, we came here for the first time. And I preached, actually, funnily enough, on this verse, the Great Commission, um, with a view to sort of maybe coming and being the pastor here. And it's it's Matthew 28, and it's a well-known 
passage, and I've added a little bit for us. I've made it our own. That, that Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I've added to that in Winchester, the surrounding areas and the communities where you live and work. Because you can look, you don't need to look any further for a mission statement. This is what God has asked us to do. We know that we are called to be rooted in God. I've shown you this picture a few times in the past as well. This is a picture of a tree and I won't go into all the details now. But you know, God has asked us to be like a really healthy, strong tree. Rooted in him and his word. Strong at the core as we grow together in community, in love for one another, in discipleship as we follow Jesus, and then with branches stretched out that reach out and and see transformation happen. At uh, our ordination service, Joe and I, back in September 2011, three years ago, um, a number of people shared words with us then. Joe reminded me of one this week, um, and it was a picture of a sea anemone. And here are the words that somebody wrote. Um, this is what they said that they felt like God was saying. This is from three years ago. She said, for a while, God has been showing me that the church, Winchester Vineyard, is becoming an inside-out church. Bigger on the outside than on the inside. I don't mean like the TARDIS, or maybe I do, but that more people are affected by Winvin than attend Winvin. He showed me that we were not a church that was inward-looking, like a closed sea enemy, but that we were beginning to have our tentacles outstretched, ready to reach out to whoever we could. God's church won't just be those who come to church, but all of those who, people who are affected by people who come to church. And for some time we've sensed God speaking to us about our future, about being bigger on the outside than the inside, about being like that anemone with arms outstretched to our community, sharing the love of Jesus wherever we've been placed. I was so encouraged. Um, last week, or maybe it was the week before, no, it was last week, Joe read you or told you about an email somebody had said they were a visitor and they, they said that they'd been really welcomed here. I got another email, uh, we did, into the office last Monday from somebody who just started coming recently. He's not here at the minute, he's popped away for a couple of weeks, but he's basically sending this email to say, I've just started coming but I'm, and I'm coming back. But I just wanted to read you one paragraph that he wrote. He said, I just thought I would send a quick email to say thanks for, for being so welcoming to me. As a, these are his words. As a Christian but not a churchgoer, I was made to feel so welcome that I decided to return yesterday. That was last week, the second week, the all-age service. And it was just amazing, his words. I left with much to reflect on and a great sense of peace and calm. It was also great to chat to so many people and meet so many new people as well. I mean, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And I really believe that God has huge plans for this church. We have great foundation on which you can build. We have a strong community of believers. We have passionate worshippers who long for God's presence. We're warm and welcoming to those who come in. We have wonderful compassion ministries and a fantastic committee core of leaders and a wonderful space to meet in, and we are set to grow. Healthy things grow, and we are ready to see God do more. And I think it's down to us to partner with him in some really specific ways. And I've pondered on this and I've prayed about this long and hard. And I really believe God's spoken to us. And we've spent some time weighing this up and checking it out with our leaders. And they agree that they think it's God. So here we go. <laughs> this is what I want to share with you today. We are in a season of preparation. I want you to look to Hebrews chapter 11. Um, if you've got a Bible and we're going to go through it, just the first 12 verses. Um, and I'm not going to 
read it all now. I'm going to take it in four chunks. And in fact, what's going to happen is Joe's going to read each section. And then um, I am going to comment on that and talk about what I feel that God is saying. Um, Of course, as you know, it's God's business to bring growth. We don't make growth happen. We partner with him in kingdom business and he brings the growth. The Lord builds the house. That's what it says in Psalm 27. Our job is to advance the kingdom, to literally be his arms and legs, his hands and feet, to quite literally share the love. His job is to bring growth. So as we've been praying, as I've been praying, really specifically over the last two or three months, has really led to this passage, and I felt like it's key to what God wants to say to us right now as a church. So, first, can you read the first five verses, Joe? Thanks. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Thank you, Joe. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Another way to translate that Greek word is confidence. That's not vague hope based on wishful thinking. That's not a blind trust in the face of contrary evidence or even an unknowable leap in the dark. That is a settled confidence that something in the future will actually come to pass because God is bringing it about. A confident trust in the eternal God who is all-powerful and all-wise. And kind of, for me and for us, I think where we start from is God is saying, you just got to believe that I'm doing something here. In the words of George Michael, you've got to have faith. (laughs) Don't look too closely at the rest of his lyrics. Um, Faith is the currency of the people of God. It's what we deal in and what we live in. It's what the next of those three or four verses are about. We've always dealt with faith throughout history. In order for the people of God to grow, to see amazing things happen and be part of God's big story, we need to be moving, acting, living in faith. Knowing that inner confidence of things that we don't see and yet we just sense and we know that God has spoken them and therefore we're going to act as if they're coming to pass. That's not always easy. Believing that as happening even when it doesn't look like it can be really tricky and you know I've said this before a few times but it's always great to read the faith stories from the perspective of knowing the end of the story but all of those people and in fact this whole chapter is all about that the heroes of faith in the bible and how they did these amazing things and took these amazing risks and stepped out in faith what I love about this chapter by the way is it doesn't talk about any of their dodgy misdemeanors of which there are many but it just celebrates their faith And I just wondered if a more contemporary Winchester Vineyard version of this sort of passage might read something like this. By faith, Hugh and Ginny Cryer left South West London Vineyard in 1994, moved to Winchester, bought a house on Chesil Street, and started a small group in their living room. At that time, they hoped, dreamed, and prayed for bigger things and acted as if a church would grow here and God would increase his kingdom here. But they didn't know that this would happen. 
It was God that brought the increase. And this morning, and every week when we meet, we see some of the results of their faith put into practice. (laughs) If you want a more biblical version, I wrote this. And so it came to pass that the Winchester Vineyard grew (laughs) and became established. And people met Jesus and lives were transformed. And in the same way that those before us have taken these big risks and taken big steps in the past, I think God is calling us, first and foremost, right now, to step out in faith again. To do things that might seem crazy on the surface, and yet ultimately will lead to God's purposes. I really believe that this next season of our church's life is a season of walking by faith, and trusting in God, and making decisions, even though we actually don't know what the end of the story is. But reading on, there's some more keys in this passage that I think are really specific and really pertinent to us in this season. And the next one is, I forgot to put that up, sorry. You should have had that lovely picture all the time I was saying that. Never mind. Enjoy. Um, The next one is drawing near to God. Joe, can you read verse 6 for me? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the first step of faith I think that God asks us to take is to draw near to him, is to come close. Believing that he wants to connect with us, believing that he wants to hang out with us, to enjoy our company, to enjoy our worship, to listen to our hearts. You know, James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I can't sing that without thinking of an old um, children's um, song on an Ishmael CD. And it goes, James 4, verse 8. James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. (laughs) Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? (laughs) Anyway, it's a a helpful way of remembering where it is in the Bible. Um, John chapter 15 says kind of the same sort of thing. I am the vine, you are the branches. You remain in me and I will remain in you. And we've been really excited to hear, Just Lynn was just praying out earlier, a couple of stories even this week of people who have literally drawn near to God and experienced him drawing near to them and said yes to Jesus to follow him for the first time. What a privilege. How exciting is that? That is just wonderful and it's what we're here for. And we're really excited to see more. So if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus and that's maybe something that you're contemplating, we would love to help you you know, think that through a bit more. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to just chat or help you wherever you're at. And ever since starting this job, I really believe God has been challenging both me personally and us as a church to develop a sort of pattern or a rhythm of drawing near to God. You might want to call that prayer that sustains and fuels the ongoing kingdom life and mission that God's calling us to. Now, the truth is I'm not a particularly disciplined person. Um, I don't find it very easy to pray at the same time in the same place every day. Um, But I do know that when I do, things just always go better. When I make time on a personal level and also on a church level to pray and spend time with the Lord, things go better. And I was really inspired to read this tweet from a guy called Pete Gregg, who leads the 24-7 prayer movement. This is back in just at the end of August. He said, on this day in 1727, the Moravians launched a 100-year 24-7 prayer meeting, changing the course of history. And then just a few days later, he tweeted this. Oh, sorry, I've gone too far. Which was that on this day, 15 years ago, 
we, we being the sort of 24-7 prayer movement, started the first prayer room. We weren't trying to start a movement. We just wanted to learn how to pray. If you know anything about the story of the 24-7 prayer movement, it happened not far from here. Just It all started down in Chichester. And as Steve shared earlier, there's also this fantastic burn movement, which is all about just setting time aside to draw near to God, to worship and pray. There's a week every year in our church's calendar, or well, in the church generally's calendar, called the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. And two years ago, we were invited to be part of setting up a 24-7 prayer room in the city in Winchester. It was a great event. It ran for a week. Some of you went. Lots of people got involved from loads of different churches. And they were praying not just for unity, but for the peace and prosperity of the city and for all of God's purposes to come about. And for me personally, I found it a really incredible experience. I'd not really experienced praying like that in a prayer room like that before. I found it fantastically inspiring. I found like I met God in, in, ama- in an amazing, fresh way. And in one way, you know, there's nothing particularly special about a room. It's just a room, just a regular room with a bit of decoration and some funky artwork and some spaces for people to express themselves. It's really not that complicated. But I think it's more about what it represented, which was a place set apart for a special purpose, which God really seemed to honor. And ever since then, I've been thinking and praying and sort of trying to come up with ideas about why we should have a prayer room here. And if that's what the Lord said we should do. For me, a prayer room has another important purpose. Some of you won't need this because you're disciplined enough. Um, But for me, I sometimes just need a little bit of stimulation to kind of focus on God again. You know, many of you obviously don't get as distracted as I do and find it easy just to sit and just kind of, right, here I am and I'm in your presence, Lord, and here we go. And if that's you, just wonderful. What an amazing privilege. And I'd love to hear more about how that works for you. Um, But for some people like me, it can be great to have a place or just some sort of stimulus that just reminds me and helps me. It's not essential, but it's helpful. A bit like, you know, if you imagine when you're worshipping, anybody can worship anywhere, but having a great band with good musicians and and a really good leader really helps us to worship, doesn't it? It's not essential, but it's really helpful. And I kind of see a prayer room in the same kind of vein, really. It's just a place where it makes it easier to connect with God. So anyway, I had this growing sense that we should look to create a prayer room here. Not necessarily for a permanent 24-7 prayer program, but just as a place set apart for people to spend time with the Lord in. We already have a bunch of prayer events and meetings, and Sarah sets up a soaking space on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And, but I, I really felt like it was a dedicated space. And we identified a room, the lounge upstairs, And we weren't really moving forward very quickly. And then one day last year, it was about October or November time, um, our small leadership team met and there were four or five of us in the room. And to be honest, things weren't going that well and we were a bit fed up. I was a bit fed up and a bit stressed out. And and Brian came and he showed us this video of um, just a a video of what was going on in another church in Wales, in a a church called Cumbran, where they were sort of experiencing what you might call a a revival or a renewal. And... uh, They'd seen some amazing healings happen and they'd seen God really sort of meet with them and some fantastic stories of life transformation. And to be honest, we watched the video and then we were just sort of, you know, why isn't this happening here? We want more of God. What, What do we do? We were sort of inspired and challenged and fed up all at the same time. And we just stopped and we sort of asked God, what is it you want us to do? And God reminded us very clearly 
I want you to set apart a space for me to pray so we can pray. And the room that we were in was the room that we felt like God had spoken about. And so there and then, we just found a bit of juice and some bread and we had communion there. And we dedicated that room for God's purposes in this place. And the truth is, there's been a lot of practical work to do. We've been trips to the tip and thrown out sofas and had all sorts of other stuff going on. But the upshot of it is that we're just about almost ready. (laughs) And that the rooms, in fact, I've got some photos that I can show you. Here's one. It's not quite ready yet, but it's getting there. Uh, And this week, we'll be putting some of the finishing touches to this room. And uh, hopefully, this is a place where we can pray. And we felt that it was important that we started this term with just a focus on drawing near to God. And the last part of the equation, as you've already heard about, was that the prayer was the Korean prayer team who were coming. And this was offered to us some, some months ago um, at this time. They said, uh, these guys are coming over uh, to, from Korea. They want to come and stay in churches, all different locations. They want to pray. And I kind of just had this thing that I, we need to say yes to this. We need to say yes to this. And I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't know particularly how we're going to be praying. But I do know that we've put time aside to be with God and because of that, to draw near to him. And because of that, because we're focusing on him and trusting him, he'll meet with us. So if you want to be part of that, we'd love you to be. Come any time between Thursday and Saturday. Just come and join in with us. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't need a fancy prayer room and artwork to pray. Brilliant. Um, You are, of course, blessed and welcome to come and pray in there anyway. But I especially want to encourage those of us for whom sort of taking time out and going to a place and and doing that might be a new challenge. I really want to encourage us to step into that. It's a really easy place to go. There are instructions and there's loads of stuff to do. But I'm really excited about this because for us, this represents the culmination of something we felt like God asked us to do. To symbolically show him that we mean business and that we want to first, before anything else, draw near to him. And create a space where we can draw near to him. And that's what we've done. But there's more. Um, Because if you read on in this passage, God speaks about building and going. And that's the other thing that I feel that God has spoken to us about for this next season of preparation. Now, I don't know how long this season lasts. I suppose I'm thinking over the next year or so. And the next thing is actually two things, and they are build and go. And let me explain. We have a really wonderful space here, brilliant building, and we're incredibly grateful for it. And we try and steward it well and get good use out of it and share it with people. If we're absolutely honest, we think it's looking a bit tired in places. It's been really well used. And it requires some significant investment to bring it up to date and make it fit for purpose for the next 10, 15 years of ministry. But that's going to cost money. So obviously, I've been asking God this question for quite a while now. Is it the right thing to invest in our building, to smarten it up a bit? Would that honor you, God? And would it make it nicer to welcome guests into? Is it okay to invest in the building? That's a question I've been asking God. And on the other hand, I'm painfully aware that the church isn't about the building. It's about the people. And I believe even more that if God has one key priority for us, it's what I spoke about at the start, about getting out there into the city and the communities and sharing Jesus. So I've wrestled long and hard with this, and I've talked to God about it on many occasions. What do you want us to do, God? Should we build? Should we go? Can we do both? And God spoke to me and said, when he took me straight to this passage, he said, it's a time of preparation for what I'm going to do and who I'm going to bring. Live by faith 
Be certain of what you hope for. Draw near to me. And then I saw this. Can you just read verses 7 and 8? By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. And here within the space of two verses, we have building in faith and going in faith. I mean, think about Noah. He must have been a complete laughingstock. There he is working on this huge construction project, this boat, which is difficult enough. Except that, you know, how's this thing ever going to float? This is miles, miles from anywhere. What on earth are you doing? How long must it have taken? What must it have cost? And why? Because he was being obedient to God. And he knew he'd been told to do it, and he didn't know what was going to happen. And yet, he built. He invested in structure which would provide a rescue mission for him and his family, and ultimately for God's creation. And on the other hand, you've got Abraham the father of a nation who was called to go from a place he was comfortable and familiar with to a brand new foreign land. And it says he set off not knowing where he was going and with no idea what it was that God had prepared for him to do there. And yet it turned out to be this amazing land of promise. And I really believe that for some of us, God is asking us to do the same as Abraham, to move out from a place of comfort and familiarity to a place where, which God has prepared for us, to people that we have been sent to. I'm not necessarily talking about literally moving, although that's part of the deal. We're a church planting movement, and we're called to plant churches. But I'm talking about all of us. I'm talking about our cities and our colleges and our communities and our workplaces and school playgrounds and coffee shops and the places where God puts us every day and he's led us and he's sent us there. So having had this revelation about building and going, I thought, you know, I really think this might be the Lord. And I, I couldn't wait to share it with the rest of the team. And a couple of days I'm going around, you know, holding it all in. And then we have this leadership team meeting. And before I could share any of this with them, they didn't know anything about this. Um, two of the team had specific words. And one word was of this. It was a picture of a hand over the church with the palm over the church and the fingers over the city. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. That speaks of building and going. And then the, another team member said, and I had this other picture. And it was two rails, parallel tracks, running straight and equal apart together. And at this point, I knew God was speaking to us. So I shared the rest of this with the team and we prayed some more. And we asked God to continue speaking to us. Is this you, Lord? And to be honest, the going bit of building and going is a bit of a no-brainer for me. It's a big challenge. It's by no means easy, but it's something we've been sure of for some time, and it's been a growing burden. You know, we looked into some of the neighbouring stuff last year. We've invited Mark Marks, as Joe said, to come and spend the weekend with us in two or three weeks' time. And for the first six months of this year, um, those of us on the leadership team have been engaging with Mark Marks' pastor, Alan Scott, who leads the Causeway Coast Vineyard, just on an online coaching network, and we've just been trying to learn as much as we can about being an outward-focused church. We'll explore that in more detail over the next few weeks. And then I found this prayer when I was kind of reading on holiday, which I thought summed it up from somebody called St. Teresa of Avila. 
And this is just part of it. But Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ looks compassion into the world. Yours are the feet with which Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which Christ blesses the world. And I really believe God wants us to become a truly inside-out church where the people who are hurting and in desperate need of hope and life and love and power of God get to connect with him. And he will need us to go to do that. But the building bit, that's a bit harder. For me personally, it's a bit harder to be sure about because, as I said, it's quite a faith step. It costs money and it will be an act of faith. We know roughly what we'd like to do and we have some costings together. We're not there yet. We will need a chunk of money to do it and we're not sure of the timescale and we're not... So we're not sure of everything. We're mulling this over still. And I'm thinking, you know, well, what does that building refer to? Maybe God's talking about building as in building people. We've, we've done a lot of building here. We've, we've built some admin structures and we've done, some new, we've done lots of new teams and we've started some new ministries and we've invested in people and these new leaders and all of that's building. Is that what you mean, God, or is there something else? And then we had our leaders meeting here in July in the evening. And as we were all leaving, somebody came up to me, one of our people who regularly hears God. She actually stopped her car, got out of the car and said, I just feel like God is saying this. I asked her to write it down and send it in. And she said this, and I'll just read you what she wrote. I keep hearing now, by the way, she didn't know anything about this. I hadn't shared any of this with the leaders at that point. I keep hearing now is the time to build. And from this, I understand physically build. I also have a sense that what he's asking us is to build may seem impossible or too big or too expensive, but I hear him saying, don't compromise on the vision I've given you. I am faithful and I will provide. Isn't that wonderful? So by this point, I'm thinking, do you know what? This this really could be God. (laughs) And then as if I needed some more confirmation as I'm preparing this week, Joe sends me an email of somebody, another word that was given to us at our ordination service back in September 2011, three years ago. I'll just read you the top line. She said, I believe that God is saying that he is calling you to build his church according to his design and in the way that Nehemiah did, which is all about the physical building of the walls of Jerusalem. And she also um, shared these Bible verses with us. Build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. So the truth is, I actually don't know how God wants to do this. I have all sorts of ideas about how he could and how he might, or how he might bring people, what he might use the center for, what we might do when we go out. But I do know that he wants to do something here. And it involves both building and going. And I don't know what it'll look like, but I really believe that that's what he's asking us to pray about and to seek him about in this time of preparation. Trusting that he'll partner with us to bring kingdom life and transformation here. And trusting that God will grow the church as a result of what we do and partner with him. And then there's just one last little bit. And This is just a short little bit, but it's the last three verses. Do you want to read those, Joe? This is still Abraham. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. But he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And the last bit, I think, for now, is about expectation and transformation. 
See, the people of faith, these people of faith, and there's loads more in this passage. You should read the whole chapter sometime. It's fantastic. They expected God to do stuff. I love the phrase in verse 10 where it says, Abraham was looking forward to a city whose designer and builder is God, like a heavenly city. And sometimes, you know, we need God to lift our eyes off ourselves and the things that are just in front of us and back onto him and onto his promises. His future, his plans. And we need to start acting as if what he said, he actually meant. It can be really easy to lose heart, can't it? When things don't seem to be working out. But that's what a faith journey is. We're in the middle of the story. And so for Abraham, he ends up living in this amazing land, which God had promised him. And his wife conceives, despite being barren all her life, and he becomes the father of a nation. And all from having just taken a faith step, just taken a risk, because he felt like God was telling him to. And as we, Winchester Vineyard, step forward into what God has for us, we can expect miracles to happen just like they experienced. We can expect God's spirit to show up and bring healing and transformation. For Abraham, what a transformation from barrenness to fruitfulness, from being described as one man and him as good as dead to the father of a nation with so many descendants they just couldn't be counted, like the stars in the sky or the grains of sand. God is a God of life. And there will be fruitfulness as we step into what he's calling us to. As we walk by faith, as we draw near to God, as we look to build and to go, and as we cultivate expectation and transformation, I really believe this is God's word to us in this season. This is a journey we're doing together. There's plenty more to unpack and explore over the next few weeks. It's a bit different this morning, but this is what I got. This is what I think God's telling us. So why don't you stand? And we'll just invite the Lord to come. Yeah, musicians, do you want to come back and we'll worship? And Holy Spirit, come. And thank you for your presence here. And Lord, if there are things that I've said that aren't meant to be said, let them fall away. But Lord, would you come and speak right to our hearts? Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you inspire us? Show us how we should respond today, Father. Show us how you want us to respond. Show us how we step forward into what you've got for us. Quicken to us what it is you want us to do.